As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell, he scores the ball and he rebounds well. What's up? Welcome to 77 Minutes, the only Dallas Mavericks podcast that would take a one-footed three-pointer with 30 seconds left in the third quarter. What the hell was that? What was that? Still absurd. Just Art, David, art. That that actually might be the most ambitious shot that I've ever seen Luca take, which is saying something. But in that context, that specific shot, oh man, he was feeling it. It's the most ambitious shot in America outside of Ford's Theater in you know a couple hundred years, man. That that's a reference. I'm Tim Cato. I ride about the Mavericks. I am working on uh, let's see, four hours of sleep, two coffees, two breakfast tacos. Where are you at, Dave? Uh oh man, I got seven hours of sleep. Feeling good. Uh, okay, having a little cold brew now, so I can catch up to Tim Cato. Uh, Zero breakfast tacos. I don't eat breakfast, man. Okay, okay. Yeah. Mike, where are you at? That's a, a that's guy. a flex right there. Mike Pelucci. Uh, a little more sleep than you had. Had a had a half grapefruit and a granola bar for breakfast. Um, I'm gearing up because while I edit Tim, I also edit other teams too. And so Saturday or no. Uh, Friday and Sunday are triple headers for me of P of games that have my writers are on. So I'm just going to be a corpse by next week. We need, we need some seriously closed out real quick before I'm just in the grave. Are right, you guys with the- me? Do, do you root for sweeps? Like I'm rooting for a sweep right here. I want the Mavs to sweep this thing. It's a two Oh series lead. If they don't sweep, it's going seven. So I'm rooting for the sweep. Like, let's get it over. Let's go. Let's move on to the next round. We've seen it, right? I mean, like, why delay the inevitable, right? Like, here's another example. One of my other teams is one of my other teams is Brooklyn. All right, we know that how this is going. Don't. It's a wrap. You're out of here, Boston. Done. Get it done. I think, like, I'm not. You know, like the Clippers could give us, you know, a little bit of a fight here for the next few games in terms of what we're paying attention to. So, you know, it's not as obvious there. But like that, that Boston team is just one foot in the grave. Like, we're, let's okay, just okay. Shovel Mike some Clucci. dirt on them. Let's go to the next round. I, Speaking I, of I, one foot, back to that I don't, shot. I don't. I don't <laughs> think anybody's here for our Brooklyn talk. Let's They're do the not. full check-in. Let's let's go all the way around the circle. Kent Kent Garrison, our always producer, 
fantastic. Where are you at? Sleep, tacos, coffee. All I got to say is, let's effing go, boys. <laughs> Gosh, what a night. Um, you know, so, the only so thing kids, I'll say is clearly uh, on like three hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah. You know, very little sleep, very little sleep. But hey, you know, it's this it's that time of year. And the only thing I'll say is is funny because I was watching the game in the living room. The wife was in the, the bedroom, you know, watching watching Friends reruns. And uh, Luca does that, you know, slam dunk in the first half. And I was like, I screamed and she, and she it scared her. And she came into the living room and was like, hey, uh, can you not scream? Like, you can get excited, <laughs> but just not scream. Can you, you not? Know, I got scared. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no problem. And the rest of the game goes, and then that one-footed three-pointer comes, and I screamed again, and I was like, I don't even care, and scared her again. But uh, that was just the kind of night it was. But it really feels like we're watching just like a legend in the making before our eyes, guys, with Luca. There's, I mean, he's there's just, a lot it's of, insane. There's a lot of people in Los Angeles right now that, uh, that Luca is scaring. I don't want to do the white guy comp uh, for Luca. But this, <laughs> well, this is a Larry Bird comp. Okay, um, because I, I think Larry Bird was a special kind of and there's no other way for me to say this and, and can't feel free to bleep this if you need to. But Larry Bird was a special kind of motherfucker. Right. And in basketball, mm-hmm. like that's a thing. Luka Doncic is a motherfucker. Yep. And last night we saw that shit. I mean, not only is he just completely abusing Patrick Beverly in this series, he is absolutely dominating the Clippers and letting them know. I mean, you know, no one on that team can guard him. And every single bucket, he is reminding them, oh, hey, I just put another one on your head. This is this is Larry Bird shit. I mean, if you told me that he he said to Paul George in game three, I'm just going to play left handed. I'm here for it. I, I think that he is that dude. There, there's a level of star and, and stardom that you reach where you're not a you know, you you can take mid-rangers, three-pointers, like you're a bucket getter. You don't define the buckets you get by a place on the court. No, 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 no. Luca, like, like I, I don't think we talk enough about his touch. His touch is just I think it's his most ta- like his absolute elite talent is his touch from anywhere, from any situation, no matter how he's taking the shot. It's elite. It's it's as good as any anybody I've ever seen. And he's just a bucket getter. He's gonna go get buckets on you. Like, like he wasn't able to do that at quite as often in the mid range last season. Nah, no. Now, now he's got it. You know, he's hitting it over Kawhi. He's hitting it over whoever. It's, it's, it's absurd. Here's, here's what you need to know, right? So, game one ends. Tim and I are talking about what Tim's going to write, and it was obviously the role players, right? That was very much the story of the first game. But one of the things that I said, I was like, don't write about Luca because Luca Doncic, thirty point triple double, seventh playoff game ever, right? That's what he puts up. And I said, don't write about Luca because that's not going to be his best game in the series. What the hell? He's 22 years old. It's his seventh playoff game. He puts up a 30-point triple-double. And I'm I'm as confident as the sky is blue. I'm like, no, he's got a better game. Last night, he goes 39-7-7. and And I still don't think that's the best game he's going to have this series. I don't right. know what it's going to look like. But there's going to be something he does where you're just like you throw up your hands even more than you already have. And you're like, good luck, man. Good luck trying to stop that. He is 22 and he's played in eight playoff games. This is wild. <laughs> it's just insane. I can't wrap my brain around it. Is it weird to you guys that I think I'd put Luka Doncic up in the top four or five guys if I had one game I needed to win? Is Not that weird? 
No. What? It's weird How because he's only be a weird? third year player. No, no, but it's weird that he's only because he's only a third year player, and I'm it's, already it's weird like that you said four or five. It's, yeah, it's like, right, like he's right, higher right. than that already. That's that's the I mean, weird like, thing that you just it, said. I think a game on the line. I want him, Dame, or Jokic, and nobody else. Steph. No, no. I watch Steph Curry flip the ball out of bounds in crunch time too often. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just do. And, and I mean, you guys, I think Steph Curry right now is probably the best player in the league. And, it, you know, it's some combination of the top four of him, Luka, LeBron, and, and Jokic <coughs> this season, I think. Um, you know, LeBron obviously being hurt the latter half of the year. But no, man, I, I, Luka takes care of the ball in crunch time. And and val and so does Jokic and so does Dame. Valuing the basketball in crunch time to me is just as important as being able to perform. Steph never values the ball, but that's why you can get these huge ex- explosions from Steph. Luke is able to do it in spite of you know not being wild with it. Although seven turnovers in the game last night, but he did have that know, one. Make it. He did have one late in the game where they went right behind him and picked it on the double, right. and that was yeah. You know, but that doesn't happen often. But it's rare. Yeah, it's rare, and um, and he's and the fact and that he is. That's so, why he turned it over. It's it's rare. He's going to learn from that. He's going to yeah, figure that thing. out. But the, he just the, hasn't seen that enough yet. As he continues to see stuff like that, I, I think he's going to figure that out too. The rate at which he learns and processes and adapts is just frightening, right? Like I'm going to make a, a terrible movie comp. Well, it's a decent comp to a mediocre movie, but there is one of those X Men movies that uh, with with uh, what was it? Days of Future Past. We're basically. The world is on the brink of extinction because these super sentinel robots are destroying everybody. And why are they destroying everybody? Because they're going against Wolverine and Storm and all these people and they absorb their powers and everything you used to be able to do against them, it doesn't work anymore. That's Avika Zubac against Luka Doncic. Last year, it's like, okay, fine, we'll switch Avika Zubac. And it worked very well. Within about five minutes in game one, everybody realized, oh, that's that's not happening anymore. That was that was the linchpin of a lot of the Clippers schemes against him. And it was just out the window because he just figured out that's not going to work anymore. Just like this year, he learned how to shoot mid-rangers and his three-point stroke is improving. He keeps adding and adding at such a frightening rate that the stuff that will work against him now, by mid-year next year, it might not even work anymore because he's too smart and too skilled. He is playing in the Matrix. Yeah, he literally go. just downloads new skills when he needs them. And and, and this the one legged three. I, I just want to go back to this because it is like just such a I mean, huge onion shot. Like, what are you doing? I, when he was pulling up for it, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, he must have felt contact. But then I watched. And I was like, there was no contact. And he just launched. And he hits. It was it, it was insane. He was just so hot. It, yeah. And but here's the thing: it wasn't just a big onion shot, right? Like I feel like sometimes we say that you watch it and you see that a guy has this locked in sense of the moment. Like I'm gonna do something here. And I'm gonna make this happen. That felt to me like he was having fun. Like, and this is why I, I joked at the end of the podcast about it being art, but like, it felt like basketball art where he's out there and he wants to bend the game in a way that nobody else can. He's like, I'm going to try this, but he's trying it in the heat of a playoff game, right? And he just says, I'm going to try this. Let's see what happens. And it works. And he has this little grin in his face and he goes back the other end. I mean, it takes courage. Total, it takes total ball- Jordan uh, shoulder shrug. Yeah. You know? And it takes courage and it takes balls, but like it takes imagination and it takes whimsy and it takes him just saying, I'm going to try this and have fun. But 
feeling that with no pressure in a game like this is otherworldly. That's the mental fortitude to not, it's one level of mental fortitude to say, this is a big moment, I'm going to do something. It's another to know it's a big moment, do something, but just seem utterly unconcerned because, eh, whatever, I got 13 more minutes. I'll find another way to beat him if this shot doesn't go. Let's try it and see what goes down. That's that's special. That's beyond special. This this podcast doesn't need much structure. We're just talking talking Mavericks up 2-0. Uh, let's reset briefly and, and, and just kind of see where everything is. Obviously, they won Tuesday night, 127-121, uh, up 2-0 in the series. We weren't, uh, we didn't have Dave on last week, but but you and me, Mike, were both fairly pessimistic about the Mavericks chances um, or, or just fairly pessimistic about everything coming together that would need to come together. I think that maybe is more the key or, or more where I landed on. I, I did think this was possible. I definitely didn't think they were going to win both of, of these first two games. Uh, I did expect them to win one. I, I don't know if I said that. So, you know, if, if, if it seems like a stolen valor, that's fine. But but I I did think they would win one of these games, and I just thought as the series went on that that it would it would fade a little bit. At this point, they've beaten the Clippers four times this year. They've beaten them three times the exact same way. We're going to toss out the fifty point game. Whatever happened there, I don't I don't understand. It doesn't matter. They've beaten they like it's it's an exact formula, and I wrote about this this morning, Wednesday morning. It, it, it's it's that Luca is this good uh, just just the otherworldly player that that we've we've been talking about like that that is a i mean at this point it seems constant i, I don't see that changing maybe he has one clunker of a game he's going to be this good pretty much the rest of the series like that's how good he is and and that's how he turns up for the playoffs and that's how few options la has against him dallas shooting the lights out you know they're they're at 50 percent through the first two games we can talk about that uh, obviously that will fall a bit uh, it almost has to that's just how stats work numbers work reality works the role players are showing up you know i i had questions about brunson being able to navigate the the size of this team he figured it out he's he's got it you know i i, I and like i said i had questions i wanted to see if he could do it he can do it he's done it through two games uh the the clippers you know sure the mavericks can't stop Kawhi. They don't really have a Kawhi stopper, but they, they can slow them down just enough that, you know, they aren't sacrificing their entire defensive structure to sell out and, and prevent them from getting, you know, say 60. And and that's all they need because George, even Paul George has been fine this, this series. Not, you know, probably not as good as, as the playoff P haters want from him, but, but he's been fine. And it just hasn't mattered because the Mavericks defense has been good. It's been good throughout. We've seen it be good throughout the season, but the the what it hinges on every time is is Porzingis. I, I think that you know it's it's more complicated than that. Of course it is, but so much of it hinges on Porzingis, whether he is providing splash plays, steals and blocks, and then just whether he's moving his feet. And I, I pulled out a, an instance where he gets matched on to Paul George with time on the shot clock, and he doesn't see much ground, and, and George ends up going to the step back and he's right there contesting him right right in his face because he's that long and tall he's moving well all of that added up you know like it does take those five things all happening i think for the mavericks to beat la and and that's that's where i was pessimistic i i just you know i wasn't sure that they're gonna get all five often enough but they have and and i just don't see any like it, it feels sustainable it feels like it's just gonna keep happening you know maybe not maybe not game three or maybe not game four they, they they just need it to happen twice more in five chances. Like I just I, I almost can't see any way it doesn't happen unless somebody on the team just dramatically falls off from their performances in the first two games. And by 
a player, I, I really mean either Luca or KP. I think that that's a great point. That if Luca falls off, you know, I mean, you don't win the second game for sure. If he doesn't, if he doesn't do what he did, um, the role players are shooting the absolute lights out. That is unsustainable. Okay, forty-seven percent from three in the first game. 53% from three in the second game. The field goal percentage is off the charts. I mean, free throws or whatever. I was pessimistic about this series because the Clippers can shoot the lights out. They did all year. And the Mavs have struggled to hit open shots. And I figured the, the game plan was get Luka to give the ball up, make the other guys make plays. Well, they're making plays and so is Luka. They can't stop Luka and the role players are crushing. I think this series is going to go seven games. I like. I don't think the Clippers are out of this, um, but they could be. I think it's all now about the first quarter of Game Three. Like the whole series is going to come down to that. This matchup clearly is is much more tilted toward the Mavs than I even thought coming in, because the role players are playing well. But if they weren't, I mean, obviously we wouldn't be here. But this shooting likely unsustainable. But the offense is getting such good looks that you could argue, well, shit, this is how they kind of should have been shooting all year. Maybe they're just rounding into form. I don't, I don't know. But um, we're here. We're 2-0 going back to Dallas. Two out of five is doable easily. Luca is good enough that in game two, 16 of the threes the Mavericks attempted were wide open looks. They hit 10 of them. That's a high number, but if you're going to get 16 wide open threes in a game, like like that that is that is higher than anybody averaged this season. That that is a that is a number that you can sustain to some level because the looks are there. The looks are good. The looks are open. Now, yeah, there's going to be some fall off. Uh, you know, eventually Tim Hardaway has to miss something. Uh, but you know, Dorian Finney-Smith was wasn't that good in in game two off, offensively. And Maxi wasn't good offensively in game one. Um, if if Brunson, Richardson, and Finney Smith all three have an off night, or if Hardaway and, and Maxi aren't going and you and you have to, you know, kind of move away from that that starting five that that has logged most of the minutes as the primary lineup in the series. Yeah, that's that's when there's a few more questions. But I have faith and trust that Finney Smith, Kleba, Brunson, Hardaway, two in in Richardson. You get three of those five going. I, I think I think three of the five is is all you need, and that gives room for them to be a little bit worse. And and that's the crucial part. I thought it would be something more like two of four if if Brunson wasn't able to make his impact that 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 he has been. And uh, you know, so that's less of a concern. You know, they've they even got good minutes from Collie Stein. You know, he played fifteen, scored six, had six rebounds. That's all really good stuff. And you know, combine that with how good Luca's going to be every game here on out until the rest, you know, to the end of the series. Um, you know, assuming that's true and assuming Porzingis, they, that, that's the other point I made about Porzingis. Like, they seem to succeed or fail no matter how he's playing offensively. Now, he does contribute to the three-point shooting, and that's important. But they don't need a huge offensive game from him. They don't need him creating shots. They just need him as a as a really smart, sharp Spot up guy who's acting as a decoy. He even said that in a quote after the game last night, and 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 just to kind of play another role. And and I think they have enough people in those roles playing those roles that you know they can they can survive an off night or two 
as long as Luka is this good and and their defense is still good enough to really limit what the Clippers are doing outside of George and, and Kawhi. Well, I'm glad you brought up Porzingis because everything you're saying about the role players is true, but they have another out, right? If the role players are off or even let's say they get you know three out of those five going, well, this all presumes that Porzingis has offensively is what he has been, which game one, he didn't have a good game. Game two, he was very efficient, but it was a very ancillary threat. There are absolutely ways that Kristaps Porzingis can take over a game. We've seen it. It's not something that can or should be depended on, but there absolutely is a scenario in which, yeah, maybe the role players go cold, but maybe this that's the night when Porzingis is on and suddenly he's going for 30. That's a possibility. There are ways to mitigate some role player regression, most notably if Kristaps Porzingis plays like Kristaps Porzingis, second star of the Dallas Mavericks. So it's there are there are just it's funny because I think why I, one of the reasons I was pessimistic was I just looked at that Clipper team and I looked at this Dallas team and I thought that Clipper team has so many ways to win a game and I don't know how many ways this Dallas team does. And now two games into the series, I have it reversed. Where I'm sitting here thinking, well, we're talking about. You know, we've seen these role players step up in this moment, right? And I think that's that's a big reason for why I, I feel a lot more optimistic and why Dallas is up 2 nothing. This isn't too big for any of them. Tim Hardaway isn't afraid to take big shots in a playoff environment and make them. Jalen Brunson isn't afraid to get to the rack. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith is out there in the heat of the battle. Maxi Kleba is making plays. Josh Richardson is not what jo- they want Josh Richardson to be, but he's contributed. Um, they have enough guys who are showing up, irrespective of what Porzingis is doing, that they have options. And on the other side of this, who would you even say is the Clippers' third best player in this series? Right? Like Rajon Rondo. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I, I don't even think anybody's made a convincing case. You know, it's not the it's not the stars that are the problem. I mean, George has been fine, but George isn't the problem. The issue is you can't win that way unless both of those dudes are going supernova hot. And I can't see that working to win four games. Well, so, they did it last night, though. They they scored like 70 combined last night, and they got nothing. From anybody else. Right, right. So it what was, do you uh, 69 points combined? Very nice. Nice. Wow. Very nice. nice game. Nice. So what do you what do you do at that point if you're LA? You need the supporting cast to step up, but you don't just need it's not like you need one guy to get going. You need probably three dudes who have not played well in this series when their backs are against the wall, going on the road to say, okay, start playing well now and get everything that you begin for Kawhi and Paul. They miss Lou Williams a little bit because they just don't have anybody who can get you 20. You know, Reggie Jackson is just not very good. Rajon Rondo is not going to score like that. He's not going to be aggressive enough. Morris, you know, like they tried that a little bit. I don't know. How'd that go? Uh, Zubach, this is not the series for him. He's not going to get you buckets anyway, especially not in this series. Um, they just, it just feels like they don't have that, that guy. And then Abaka not being mobile is really hurting them because they don't have a big that they can go to <coughs> who could even potentially hang when getting switched on to Luca. Um, not that Ibaka really can. Nobody can. So I don't know, man. Like I, I get more and more pessimistic the more I sit here and think about it. But but it, a lot of it is Porzingis being so good in game two and using his gravity effectively when he didn't have the ball, especially like down the stretch. There were times where they got the Clippers in rotation and you could watch and Porzingis was working the corner to the dunker spot, trying to keep the defense honest so that they couldn't go up and trap the ball. He wound up with a dunk out of this um, late in the game. And 
that sort of stuff hasn't been there all year from him. He he seems really really engaged. I think last series, uh, last last season, last series, the, the Mavericks Mavericks Clippers first round one I think the third best player was Zubac. I, I I think I think that's n- not even a a stretch at all. And I think he, if if he wasn't being played off the floor by by Doncic, I, I think he he could still be that third best player and, and that that has been such a huge huge switch that you know they're not getting the second chance points Zubac played 22 minutes and and really every every moment every moment minute he's on the floor you're you're having a scheme defensively around him just to make sure to to limit how much damage Doncic can do by by getting switched onto him and, and then you know taking him and, and hitting whatever he's going to hit and so you know there's there's probably one easy source that that would be you know, a a fallback for for the Clippers that that would be helpful, and and that's that's a huge difference as as compared to the last series. And at this point, too, right? I mean, you mentioned the word you out schemed. Ty Lue going against Rick Carlisle now down two games when he's got to figure out adjustments. That's not going to work in the Clippers' favor. That is that was always one of the bigger mismatches going into this series in Dallas's favor was they had the better coach. Now they have the lead in the better coach. What can Ty Lue throw at Dallas that they haven't seen that Rick can't counter? I don't know. It's not that they won't. Again, like they're not. I don't think Dallas is sweeping this team, but uh, I I don't see how LA wins four more games to get this done. Is this team not coachable? Are the Clippers not coachable? Is that just what it is? Because look, I, Ty Lue is a good coach. I, yeah, I'm gonna I'm good. gonna die on this hill. No, he's not the best coach. But he's a good coach and he adjusts. He makes changes. I mean, it's that's the thing that I know Ty Lue for as a coach. His Cleveland Cavaliers team were constantly adjusting. I mean, in-game adjustments, uh, between-game adjustments. I mean, it's just uh, the thing that I relate with with Ty Lue is his coaching adjustments. There were none game one to game two. There were just none. It looks too much like last year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. 
trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Luca is going to, he's going to kill this Clippers team. That's it. I'm calling it. It's over. I'm just talking myself into it. <laughs> this Kawhi is going to leave because Luca is going to beat this team. That's just like poorly constructed. All right. Maybe that doesn't happen, but I just don't understand what's happening. There, there was just no difference in game one and game two. And I know that the Dallas role players have shot the lights out, but still nothing changed. When's the last Pat time? Beverly it, still got worked. When, when's the last time a team won? the finals without a tempo setting rhythm dictating playmaking ball handler. Yeah. They don't have anyone that that's doing that. That's a great point. There's no pace setter for them. There is no Luca. There's no LeBron. There's no Jokic. There's no, you know, Draymond green. There's Kyle no Lowry out there Steph. doing that. Right. Yeah. You know, you go back through the past decade, honestly, the last team is probably the Mavericks to be, to be totally honest, the, the 11 Mavericks in, in the sense that Jason Kidd was not a, scorer on the level of all the playmaking guards yeah. that followed him he certainly was a, a rhythm tempo dictator and it was necessary for Dirk to be as good as he was is that you know he had someone who could reliably make sure and get him those shots and Kawhi and and Paul George are you know shades of the same player George is just a bit of a worse Kawhi and as I see them in the playoffs again like they look so good during the regular season and if if this is what they look like in the postseason, that that that's the only explanation I can come up with. It's a good one. I mean, I think their best chance, they need to ride Rondo hard. To, yeah. You know, they need to put him in and really let him. This is why they got him. This is why you traded Lou and a couple picks for this moment. It's not working with Pat Beverly. It's definitely not working with Reggie Jackson. You got to try if you're Ty Lou and just let Rondo run this offense but at the same time if you were relying on Rajon Rondo in his mid-30s to save you then what have you done on a team building level to bring yourself to this point now hold on now uh, to, to their defense it's very difficult to find that guy right like Kyle Lowry was going to sure, be very sure. expensive for them if they got him I mean, it's not you know I'm sure that we can all sit here and say wow you need to get this guy they just don't grow on trees but they don't. Yeah, there's like you've got to do better the than league. they've done, right? But you've got to do better than they've done to to mitigate not having that guy. I mean, if that's you look I mean. at all right, that's so look I mean. at Utah, right? Look at Utah. They've got a drink stirrer in Donovan Mitchell. They've got Mike Conley, but then they have Joe Ingles and they have Boyan Bogdanovich who can also do stuff. And that's the, that's what the Clippers are missing. They're missing the extra guys that can make stuff happen. We know Kawhi can do it. We know Paul George can do it individually. They don't have a third guy like the Nets. You know, you, you you scheme for two guys. Okay, now here's a third. They're missing either that or a, you know, a Jason Kidd or a Chris Paul, a, a lower end offense starter. Not lower end, but lower than Kawhi and Paul George. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so what happens if they start Rondo and Batum in game three over Zubac? I mean, it's better than... It's better than what they've been doing, I think. Batum I think so is, is better. Just you got more size. I would actually try Batum on Luka with everyone else, like with Kawhi and Paul George in help. Right. See yeah, if think- that length can bother him. And and Batum is is stout. He's not going to hold up for the whole game against Luka, but 
You know, he's not going to get pushed under the basket like Pat Beverly did. Yeah, I think as as much as you can survive Luca with a with a single man, like that's that's what the Clippers have to try to go to. And again, it's it's the same with the Mavericks and Kawhi. Um, it's just that Luca also has the, the all this playmaking tempo setting that 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 we described uh, that makes him even even more dangerous. But yeah, you have to live with what Luca's going to do, and you have to try to slow him down just enough with one player without doubling, um, without switching Zubac onto him, etc. And so I think I think that's why they go small. And then I think that's where the focus shifts to Porzingis and how much he can do when he is seven inches taller than the next tallest player on the court um, or the next tallest clipper. Yeah, that was that was my concern going into this is what are the Clippers going to do to try and scheme around Porzingis and what is Dallas's counter move there? Um, this is contingent on them actually trying this, right? You know, I would think if you're if you're Ty Lue, you may not make your adjustments for game one or two. You damn sure better make some going into Dallas for game three. Uh, but that is that is going to be interesting. You know, what what will their schematic wrinkle be? I mean, I'm with you that it's at this point, you can't stop Luca no matter what you do. So the hope is you, for me, you try to guard the role players and you count on the fact that, hey, you have some great defensive wing options. Plus there will be some shooting regression baked in. Try to slow the rest of them down enough and say, if Luca needs to score 50, then okay, fine. Um, that to me is a much more sustainable strategy than we're going to burn out Kawhi trying to guard Luca. We're going to try to do this to guard Luca. You're not going to guard Luca. Kawhi Leonard can't guard Luca. Nobody's guarding Luca. So just use Batum to do that, like Dave said, because what else is Batum on the floor for? And right. try to shut down the ancillary threats. And, and, and when you're that Luka small, they're still going to switch everything. You know, it's going to be Kawhi, exactly. Paul George, Marcus, and Batum. And yeah, you're going to switch yeah. all those four reliably, and you're going to say, "Okay, Luca, you can you're going to score yeah. against our wings, but you're not going to score like you do on Zubac." Or that's the hope. And you and know, it's a it's a good gamble to make. I'd be shocked if if Zubac starts. Beverly, you know, they may, might not make the Rondo for Beverly switch, but I'd be shocked if Zubac is in there uh, starting Friday night. I think they need to have Zubac in there for the non Luca minutes. I mean, he, he had a great. Uh, block on on Jalen Brunson at the at the basket you know where he let him get past him I think he is that's when he can play he can play when Luca's off the court but he can't be out there and be a target um you know I, I wonder if we might see some more zone out of the Clippers um the number one thing I think the Clippers need to ditch and they've needed to ditch it for two years is how lazy their switching is it requires no resistance whatsoever to get this Clippers team to switch and I think that that's a mistake I'd like to see them fight over some of these Dallas screens, you know, um, make well, Luca I did work. in the first half. Yeah. But, make but Luca he, he's the work exception. Harder. I agree with you. Paul George is really good at navigating screens and just doesn't do it. Um, you know, and we know Rondo isn't going <laughs> to, he's not fighting over anything. Um, I just, you know, I, I just think uh, that's what I would be doing. Like you've got to make, and, and I know it's funny because Luca's working his butt off, but make him work more make him work harder try to bother him with the rear view contests and and really put the pressure on those role players but I, I I'm with you I think you try to play him try to play him straight up just put a bigger body on him you cannot if Patrick Beverly is isolated on Luka Doncic one more damn time I, I mean I'm screaming at the television because I don't root for anybody I, I just you know but that's frustrating to watch it's like you know it's like you're playing your little brother on a little tykes basket. 
You, he can't guard him. He's too small. So anyway, I'm, t- I'm I'm rambling now because it's so frustrating to watch. Right, but you know, I mean, but here's the thing. This this is what goes back to your your open question about is how coachable is this team? Right, they're not going to suddenly start fighting over you know yeah. fighting on defense right. one game yeah. to the next after two years of this. That's not going to happen. So uh, I, I mean, how who knows how much this internal communication is going on behind the scenes? We have no idea. But even if it is. Especially, no team's going to adjust that fast, that comprehensively for something fundamental like that. But especially not one that's a veteran team like this. This isn't a malleable group. This is a group of guys who are what they are, and you got them to be, you know, essentially NBA finishing school. It's all right. You all know what you're doing. You all know play. Let's get that ring. It's not happening. And I, you know, I'm, I don't, I, I don't know how you push the buttons to make this happen all of a sudden. So if they go small, if if the emphasis is on. You know, single coverage on Luca don't come off the role players as easily. That's my expectation for what we're going to see. And and I mentioned this, but but I I think the for uh, for the Mavericks the emphasis then falls on Porzingis and what he can do against a team that is dramatically smaller than him, where he should be scoring twenty points in the pain and at the free throw line combined. Uh, you know, really from here on out, if if that's if that's how they're going to approach the rest of the series. Is is he I up will for say, that? I, I do like how uh, physical Porzingis was in Game Two on the offensive end. He was seeking out, like he was jamming smaller guys, seeking out mismatches, trying to trying to rub his defender away, um, and and then trying to establish position. And and he was really aggressive about that. He's got to continue to do that. You're right. Like he has to be, he has to match Luca's aggression level. And if he can do that, I mean, they can win this in, in five. Yeah, he doesn't but, need to take a single unassisted shot, and he can yes. still be averaging 25 the rest of the series. With that type of size advantage, Like he should be crashing and cutting and getting offensive rebounds. He should be in the paint all the time. He should be able to get a few post-ups within like 10 feet that he just turn, turns over his shoulder. I'm fine with those. Those are close enough. He, he'll make you know 47% of them or, or something. You know, As long as he's doing that, that's a, that's a good enough look. He doesn't need to be backing anybody down or facing up anyone from outside of 15 feet. And he can still be a second star in the series. Like we can table larger Porzingis talk for another point. I mean, I I know that there's a billion opinions out there about him for this series. He can be the second star if they go small, just, you know, just by doing bigger, you know, just by being big, just, just he's taller than these dudes. Like they can't stop him. I I remember in game one, I, I had a screenshot of, of Kawhi rotating over to help he's in the paint and it, it's the it's the game ceiling dunk actually um and Porzingis is has barely come inside the three-point line he's cutting and Finney Smith is passing to him and Kawhi's in the paint Kawhi doesn't even try to contest like yeah his momentum isn't quite in the right place but another player Kawhi's gonna have a chance there but you know when you're seven three you're he's just taller there i mean there's there's only so many ways i can say this so yeah he needs to be that that level of of physical center that that you know we've seen before especially in new york Uh, that's the player he has to be if if this is how the clippers shift i think he can be i've seen enough good signs in the first two you know if he can do that and then take a few spot up threes and and hopefully convert you know a, a couple of them that's 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 a second star like that that is that is a level of player that that's crucial and that, and that can push you to a win. And, and that's, that's what the Mavericks need from him. Uh, you know, if, if, if the Clippers make the adjustments, they do. Um, is, I'm trying to think if there's anything else 
LA could do that that would that would make sense. It has to be that they can't. I mean, they're shooting the ball fine, right? Like right. that's the other thing is it just the Mavericks are shooting so much better. I they think, can shoot a bit better, I think, but. Like, I agree. The story of this series, if I were just to take someone and say, hey, let me fill you in on these two games, I'm going to talk so much more about what Luka is doing and how uh, the Mavs are shooting. And that tells me the Clippers need to figure that out. You got to try to stop Luka and you got to try to shut that shooting down. They're not running them off the three point line enough. I think that that's something that they could do. Again, it's about defensive activity for the Clippers. And if they can turn it up, they are. They should be the better team here. I mean, if we're looking at the regular season, I mean, this is, you know, a, a better team in the regular season. But Luka Doncic is the best player in this series, and as we know in the playoffs, that usually can determine it, especially if you've got good enough role players and these guys are playing their butts off. I mean, this is they are playing their best basketball at the right time. I think Porzingis looks super healthy. He looks spry. And I mean, they might make the Western Conference Finals. Like they, they really the way things are going for them right now, I, I could it's feasible. Especially, you know, if Chris Paul is out for Phoenix, and if the Lakers don't get well, healthy. they'd have Utah next. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Utah, if Donovan it, Mitchell isn't healthy, yeah, 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 the other yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's actually a, a better because Phoenix yeah. spanked them throughout. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you would you would either hit the Lakers or the Suns, depending on who comes out. Right. We, we assume right. they're going to win the you know the winner of that will win the second. Um, yeah, yeah. And and that's that's probably one of those two teams is is going to have a much better chance at uh at Dallas. But anyway, we're we're getting ahead of well, uh, we're getting a little, about a little bit ahead, a little bit ahead. No. It's uh it's a two zero lead, but but yeah, I mean, game game two was closer than game one score wise. Uh, game one's the one I look at and say, okay, if the, the shooting goes a little bit differently on each side, if the, if the Clippers make a few shots they should have, if the Mavericks miss a few shots that were just heavily contested, that could have been a Clippers win. But it would have felt like, even then, to me, I think, that the Clippers won it, you know, against the run of play, as they say in soccer, you know, that they almost like they stole one. Um, you know, if, if you just went back and changed the results and still had game two the way it was, it would feel like this Mavericks strategy, this this Mavericks team is set up to succeed and more things are more likely to go right for them than the Clippers need at this point to go right for them to win. Yeah. Well, I think last night was a textbook example too of the last four forty nine coming out of that time out of that game. You know, I tweeted, I said, we're going to learn a lot about where this team is at its development with how they handle this because LA was on a huge run. Dallas is bleeding momentum. Let's, let's just pause to reflect on the fact that whatever happens the rest of the way, all those concerns from a year ago about what do they do in crunch time? I think those are gone. Because they were not scared of that at all. They got together. They made plays down the stretch. Luca figured it out. You know, they they tried to throw Pat Beverly on him again. Luca just bullied him. They got looks. Porzingis had another key dunk down the stretch. They know how to play now in pressure situations. And we know whatever happens, whether they, you know, I suppose if they somehow lose the series, then we have a big picture discussion, right? But let's assume they win this series because odds are they're going to. Even if they lose next round, if nothing else, you know, those big picture conversations will revisit at some point. What you at least know is that of the role players that are on this roster, maybe they're not, you know, maybe it's not the exact alchemy of what a championship team is, but the parts that are here, they can hang in big series. They can hang in big moments. So that's a big victory. There are, I mean, look, look at just the other team they're playing to see how important it is when you don't have those ancillary guys, right? I think we spent a lot of time thinking about, well, who's the second star? Who's the third star? Well, it's hard to get five or six role players who know what they're doing and play really well and, don't disappear in the postseason. 
LA has two bona fide star players, and right now it doesn't matter as much as it should because the supporting cast is just melting. The Mavericks are headed back to Dallas where there's going to be crowds of about 15,000 people, which <laughs> this is just, just hilarious to me. Like it, as, as if the Clippers couldn't have more that's, that's going against them. You know, I, I don't know what effect that would have, but I mean, you have to imagine it's going to help Dallas even more, right? Here's my thing. These guys haven't played in front of like a real crowd in, I don't know, 15 months. Yeah. No way this is going to be normal for them. It's going to be weird. It's going to, I mean, I, I just. I think it's going to be amplified. I think the effect of that many people gonna, cheering for you is only going to be like more euphoric and, and is this more gonna be a dopamine blowout? producing. <laughs> if this is a blowout, it's going to be one of the funnier ones in NBA history. And I'm already ready for Paul George and his post-game interviews. I mean, you know, there's no pressure. There's no pressure right now when they're down 0-2. And he's right. There is no pressure because he gets paid the same no matter what. Right? So, you know, the check's still clear, so there's no pressure. But, man, ooh, 0-3, Paul George is going to have some fucking bangers. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, he said, what did he say? He said something like, okay, we obviously have to turn it up, but there's not a level of concern right now. And then uh, Haley O'Shaughnessy, I saw her tweet something to the effect of, this is when I'm glad Paul George is an NBA player, not like a gas leak inspector. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good tweet. It's a good tweet. I'll give her that. I think, you know, I think Paul George is probably happy about that, too. I mean, and frankly, I am, too, because I enjoy watching Paul George. Um, Yeah. the uh, If my gas is ever leaking on a a 2-0 deficit headed home. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't. I don't want Paul George showing up and being like, "Oh, you know, we, you know, your gas leak. It's got to get things together." But nope, no concern. <laughs> it's, you got to call it's one of those. Figure this out. You got to call What's, one of those plumbers that Michael Jordan used to play against. That's that's who we got to call. Oh man, we got to wrap this thing up. We're we're forty five minutes here, man. Like, look, I, y'all want to make predictions? What? Why are you guys always? Why to make would we me, do that? Make me. There's make no pressure on us. Why Give would we the make people what they want? Be like Paul George, Tim. No pressure. Don't feel any of that pressure. Just throw something out there. See what happens. I mean, I say the Mavericks win one of the two. Obviously, it it matters. The series is over if it's if it's game three. If it's game four, it's over as well. Yeah, I, I think this this series goes back to LA three one. It, it really does feel like that at this point. It would take. It would take two narrow losses where all the things go wrong, like kind of kind of a like Luca has a clunker and the role players are good and the Clippers just squeeze it out. And then Luca's great and the role players don't have it. You know, if they can just get, you know, I think these things are coming. There, there's going to be a bit of regression. We know that if they can just get it all in the same game, it doesn't matter. The series will be done in five or six. Um, there's definitely outcomes where. It, it is a bit more segmented and fragmented, and I, I don't think it's impossible the Clippers could grab both. But I, I'm I'm not I'm not high. I just you know I'm trying not to try not to get ahead of myself. And but it's, there's it's, a gambling again, model that I trust that has projected a sweep at about thirty percent. Oh boy! And and the and the Clippers losing in five at about twenty percent. Right. Um. So, I mean, the, the indicators are there. Right. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, everything I'm saying is just, I'm trying to look at what I've seen and I see something that's replicable at least twice more in five games and probably more than that. And I don't see the Clippers 
really having much many other options that you know they can't just do this again and and think it's going to work this time like they 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 have one big change that they can make and it's going smaller for large portions of the game and i just don't think you know i think i think kp is able to counter that um we'll see we'll see you know maybe maybe i have this this red wrong but i think that's that's where my i think that's where i'm at Okay, I'll, I'll go. If, if Dallas wins game three, this is over in five. And, and Clippers are yeah. going to take two yeah. more games after that. So yeah, if Dallas sure. wins game three, it's over in five. If they win game four, it's over in six. I don't think it gets to a seventh game. Dave, where are you at? Um, you know what, man? Uh, I'm sitting here talking myself into a sweep. And, and <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out if it's wishful thinking or not, you know, Um because, like I said, I have this thing. If, if a series is 2-0, let's just go ahead and get it over. Like, just, just do the sweep. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I need to see game three. I think game three is – obviously, this is so dumb to say. God, I've fallen into so many stupid sports cliches. Game three is pivotal. <laughs> because I, I do think that the Clippers got punched in the mouth two games in a row. There's didn't another respond. cliche. But it legitimate and, and it's basketball. It happens a lot. And now if they can come out and and I mean dominate in game three, like they need to come out and win by 20. I'll at feel the, much better about the Clippers. At the very least, I think you're totally right with you, what you said earlier. They need to come out hot in the first quarter because that crowd right. is going to be first five clear. minutes of that game. They, yep. Yeah, you need Gotta to take quiet that crowd down fast because if you let Dallas get out to another fast start in front of that building, it's just going to mushroom and it's going to proliferate and then it's over. I will say this in the first quarter. Think back to that 50 point win. They did score in game two. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, nobody's defending in this series, and that's a whole other thing. But (laughs) that 50 point win, it's all about that first five minutes. And the the Clippers need to do more than just withstand it because the crowd is going to be nuts. The Clippers need to extinguish the crowd in the first five minutes. They need like a 15 point lead halfway through the first quarter. And, And my worry for them is that the Mavericks are actually going to come in hot. And the next thing you know, it's like you see Ty Lue calling a timeout and it's 12 to three and it's over. That's the series. So, you know, I think that first five minutes is going to be crucial. All right, boys, let's wrap this up. Thanks everybody for listening. We will possibly be back after game three. Let's see what happens. Bonus pod. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But we're, well, we might sprinkle in a little bit of extra content on the feed. So just, just keep an eye out, and uh, I'll, I'll let everybody know what's up with that. Until then. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. That is a wrap.